What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 81 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, we got two weeks left of the regular season, our last week in 2022. It's been a great ride so far. The playoff race is down to the wire. We're definitely going to get into that. We got co- head coaching vacancy opening up. Yeah, I'm excited to recap it. Hope everybody enjoyed their holidays. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of football on this past Saturday, football on Sunday. Excited to go over it. A lot of football this, this holiday season right now. And yeah, I mean, certainly we're in crunch time right now. I mean, teams fighting for playoff berths, wildcard spots, division titles. Head coach is getting fired, so definitely a lot to uh, to get into. Yeah, Corey, we're going to start for somebody who didn't have a great Christmas. Nathaniel Hackett, the Denver Broncos. When, when we saw the Broncos and Rams game, we weren't expecting a great football game, Corey. I don't think we expected a 51-14 blowout by the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, Baker Mayfield looked better than he has in a really long time. 24 for 28, 230 yards, two touchdowns, was in the rhythm all day. Tyler Higby was his favorite target. Russell Wilson threw three interceptions. Uh, Ripping came in, he threw a pick six late in the game. It didn't matter at all. The writing was on the wall for Hackett for a while, and then when you put up that type of performance uh, in like a primetime slot, standalone game on Christmas, there was no way you were going to survive that. So, yeah, after 15 games, they move on from him. I think people would have said that this was a mistake higher earlier than 15 games. I was surprised it honestly took them that long. I guess when you hire a coach, you really don't want to hire – you don't really don't want to admit to your mistake that early, but the Broncos have no choice after this one. They make the right decision, although an overdue one, and uh, Nathaniel Hackett is no longer a football a head football coach. I mean, yeah, the Denver Broncos, I think, yeah. I mean, you look at teams coming into the season with expectations of doing something and making it to the playoffs – I mean, what the Denver Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, first-year head coach. I mean, previous offensive coordinator, I think, yeah, with, with the Packers. But, I mean, just like all year, I feel like Denver was a team. It was like after a few games, like we just watched, I think. To me, it was kind of after that 49ers game on, like, Sunday Night Football. I'm like, I just didn't have a lot of confidence in Denver turning this around, which, I mean, I think falls on Nathaniel Hackett, but I think it falls beyond that. I think Nathaniel Hackett definitely had to go. This team literally just traded a lot of picks. Uh, I mean, Noah fan also a first-round pick to Seattle to get Russell Wilson, but I think this also definitely has to lie a little bit on Russell Wilson. I saw Nathaniel Hackett, when he became the head coach, he brought in two – younger type coaches, offensive and defensive corner. Obviously, the defense has been really good, but it's just I feel like this team like lacked leadership. And I think that kind of lies on Russell Wilson also because, I mean, Russell Wilson, when you look at Russell Wilson's past in Seattle, I think I'm not going to like put him in the tier with like, like Tom Brady or like Drew Brees, but like he's not – like obviously not Tom Brady, but he's still like I think before this year he was like a Hall of Famer in my opinion. So like when you're Nathaniel Hackett and you get a quarterback like Russell Wilson, I think some of the blame you got to put on Russ. Like this is a quarterback who consistently in Seattle has been, 
I mean, a superstar. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl with that team, um, made the playoffs, won playoff games. So I think like Nathaniel Hackett obviously did a poor job. But I think some of this also has to lie on Russell Wilson. I mean, when Russell Wilson's 34 years old, when it's like going this south, like someone in the locker room, I mean, there's got to be a switch. And there just never was a switch with the Broncos. I mean, maybe Russell Wilson just like, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't like Nathaniel Hackett. But like, it seems like the way Russell Wilson's played, it's just been like very uninspiring. So in my opinion, I think the blame also is definitely on Russell Wilson as well. I'd honestly give it a little more blame on Russ than Nathaniel Hackett. But obviously Nathaniel Hackett had to go and, yeah, it's just been a rough experience in Denver. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. I definitely think Hackett is a scapegoat in some things. I'm not willing to say that the blame is more on Hackett than, uh, Wilson than Hackett. I think your head football coach, I think that he could have done a lot better of a job putting Wilson in to succeed. I also think some of the blame is just on ownership. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett was necessarily – like ready to become an NFL head coach. And I really think the only reason why the Broncos hired him is because they wanted to bring Aaron Rodgers in. And once they didn't get Aaron Rodgers, they then brought in Russell Wilson. And then they tried to do the same thing with Russell Wilson that they would have done with Rodgers. But they're not the same quarterback. Like as good as Russell Wilson is, his strengths are not the exact same as Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a lot better from the pocket. Aaron Rodgers is a lot better around. Aaron Rodgers is just an overall better quarterback than Russell Wilson. But you're 100% right. They could not have predicted this collapse from Wilson and you're right in the sense of a leadership part at some point like somebody in that locker room when you're a Hall of Fame-esque quarterback you have to be able to stand up and be like all right guys like enough is enough and I know there's a lot of dysfunction going on but like come on now like this is it like let's go let's put this together so I don't know who will take that job I'm sure whoever does their number one goal like whoever is the Broncos are hiring somebody right now who's Sole responsibility, honestly, first is to get Russell Wilson right because they still have him tied up for four more years. Actually, might be five more years because I don't know if the contract actually kicked in. Um, I, I think, I think, but however, for the, I know it's like one hundred seventy million, one hundred and seven million in dead cap, so they have no way of getting out of this deal with Russell Wilson. They have like he has to play. So whoever comes in, they have to put a system around Russell Wilson to make him thrive like he was in Seattle, and hopefully Russell Wilson can kind of take over that locker room because you bring up a really good point about that. To be fair, Denver also did deal with a lot of injuries. I saw they had more guys on IR than anybody else in the league this year, but that's not an excuse to be 4-11. and 11. That's not an excuse to set the record for most games under 17 points. So that's just something that can't happen. Core, I will go with you. Who do you think was the worst head coach? Do you think I think Urban Meyer. I'm going to have to say Urban Meyer, I think, was worse just because, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. I think I'm going to have to say, yeah, I'm going to say Urban Meyer just because Trevor Lawrence, I think it was just his turnaround this year, I mean, has been dramatic. I think we have to wait and see if Russell Wilson could turn it around. But at the moment, I think I'm going to have to say uh, Urban Meyer. You could say Nathaniel Hackett because Nathaniel Hackett had a way more talented roster. But I just think Urban Meyer was just way out of his element. I mean, he is a college-type coach who just did not translate to the NFL. So, I mean, obviously Hackett had a better team, but I think Urban Meyer was the worst worst head coach. I'm honestly – 
I, I don't know if I want to say worst head coach or should I, I actually want to I should rephrase a little bit to like who had a worst head coaching tenure because like yeah worst head coach I don't I don't understand I think Hackett's tenure is probably worse and definitely more disappointing in the sense I, I'll just say worse obviously it's gonna be more disappointing because they had higher expectations and stuff like that but yeah I think like Urban Meyer was walking into a full-on rebuild and yeah he sucked and they won one game with him but like, like Hackett, again, this was a team that people thought could potentially win the Super Bowl this year, the Broncos. They were probably preseason, what, seventh, like around the seventh best odds to win the Super Bowl? Probably around there. Like, and they're 4 and 11, and you didn't make it to week, like, you didn't make it to the end of the year. Like, that is really, really tough. So, I mean, it's bad versus worse. I don't really think there is a wrong answer to this one. I just felt that, like, I think there's only been seven coaches who haven't made it through. Whole year, there actually might even be less, and to see to see them in back to back seasons, it goes to show you that the NFL head coaching cycle, it's getting a lot more of the sense that like people just like want to hit this like home run higher every single time now, and like sometimes when that happens, when you take the swing, uh, you're gonna miss really big, and it's kind of shown the past two years. But I also think it's a good thing that you're not just like settling for a mediocre head coach or a bad head coach just because you just hired him. Like, it's a sunk cost. Just move on from him as fast as he can if he's not very good and if he's showing you no promise. Like, I think the Jaguars would agree that they made the right choice moving on from Urban Meyer, no doubt about it, just so they can get Doug Peterson because if they hold Urban Meyer for this year or whatever, right, and Urban Meyer's still eh, like, they probably lost out on Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson probably took a different job. So to better the future of their franchise, they made the right move, and hopefully the Denver Broncos did as well. Core, there's two other head coaching vacancies right now in Carolina and Indianapolis. I'm curious, do you think Denver ranks above either of these spots, or do you actually think that Denver is the least appealing of the three? It's tough. I think if you think Russell Wilson is still a good NFL quarterback, which, I mean, I don't even know where I stand on it. It's just hard to see, like, how bad he's been this year. I mean, if you think you can come in and develop a system that Russ will thrive in, I mean, I think Denver is more attractable than both those teams. I mean, this this Broncos defense, I know they've been giving up points recently, but I mean, all year they've been a top unit in the NFL. I think the Panthers, to me, I thought were going to be a more attractable unit, a more attractable job because they, they were going to get like a top pick. But I mean, right now they might make the playoffs, honestly, so. And then the Colts, they the Colts have a solid defense and solid run game. They're going to have a pretty good pick. I'd say Denver. I'll put Denver above those two just because I think you just got to hope like Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame quarterback and he could turn it around given a better system. So I think Denver honestly ranks above both those as attractable spots. All right, that's fair. I'm actually going to go on the opposite. I'm going to say Denver is the least attractive out of the three for a new head coaching hire because you're kind of handcuffed by Russ, I will say that. And obviously, like, if you walk into that job and Russ turns back the clock and plays like he does in his prime, then, yeah, that's awesome for a rookie head coach to walk into. But I'm also thinking in the sense that expectations are going to be higher in Denver than they are in the other two places because they have that much money and draft capital invested in the quarterback position. So you're going to be so forced to get it right around Russ. And you're also going to have this pressure of like, we not, not that we have to win right away necessarily, but like we want to win sooner rather than later. Whereas in Carolina and Indianapolis, I think you just like, 
a little it's gonna be a little bit more your team. You know what I mean? Whereas here it's almost just like yeah. your hands really being dealt to you, which might not be a bad thing because again, Russell Wilson was a consensus top ten quarterback before this year. So being a new head coaching hire and walking into a top ten quarterback is really good. But it you have to be really confident in yourself in your system that you can bring out the best in Russell Wilson if you want to take this Denver job. Like, there's no way if you ask me a defensive-minded head coach will take the Denver job. There's just no way. Like, people say Dan Quinn isn't, like, a popular head coaching candidate there. For me, that just doesn't make sense. Like, what? I, I just don't know why he would do that. But I guess maybe his thought – maybe the thought is that no offensive coach would want to take it because then, like, it's – I, I, I'm, I'm, I have no clue. I'm kind of spitballing here, but I personally like that last part. No, yeah, I like what you're saying there. I think if you want, obviously, if you go to um, Indianapolis or Carolina, there is going to be less pressure on you, and you're going to be more of a like a process to build up that team, which I think could be more attractive. But if you want to come in and win, I mean, I think Denver still, I mean, obviously has the best roster. It's just going to be there is going to be more pressure. But I don't know. I just don't know where Russ stands right now. I mean, I want to see him maybe this week. I, I can't see him cha- like being better without Nathaniel Hackey right now. But, I mean, I just don't think like Russell Wilson somehow just like, I mean, maybe he just like likes Seattle and forgot how to play football. But I just think if you're an offensive-minded head coach, I can't think of names off the top of my mind. I think it is an attractable spot, but – yeah, I think you definitely have to have confidence yourself because if you go to the other two spots, like there's not going to be as much pressure. If you go into Carolina in year one, you win six games. Like there's going to be like no one's going to be like, oh, you're you're a bad coach. But if you go into Denver and it's like a five six win team, people are going to be like, it's the same thing. So I think if you're if you're confident in yourself, I think Denver could be an attractable spot. Yeah, that's fair. And I think what I was trying to go for with the decord, like a defensive-minded head coach taking the position, is just that you're then putting your faith in an offensive coordinator, whereas like if you hire an offensive-minded head coach, at least like you're putting your faith in yourself. You kind of get what I mean? Because I think that that success in Denver is so driven on getting Russ right. And like because their defense was so good this year, and you still saw they were so bad as a team because Russ was just not right and the offense wasn't right. So we'll talk about that definitely more as the offseason comes. We got other games and more relevant games to talk about here. We will talk about by far probably the game of the week for sure. The Dallas Cowboys scored 13 unanswered points late, went 40 to 34 in this one. Gardner Minshew got the start for the Philadelphia Eagles in place of the injured Jalen Hurts. Played decent football when you look at the stats 355 yards in the air, two touchdowns. Two interceptions did also lose a fumble. Um, people will look and they could be like potentially all oh, Gardner Minshew's success and he played in rhythm all day. And he did a really good job attacking downfield. Uh, both Devonta Smith and AJ Brown had over a hundred yards against a solid defense. You look at late in the game though, and that's where the Eagles clearly missed Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew threw an interception on the, their last three drives. Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew threw an interception. Then a Miles Sanders fumbled that. Obviously, Minshew can't really do anything about. And then the last drive is a turnover on Downs, where they kind of moved the ball down inside the red zone, just outside. I think it was like on the 19 yard line when they went and turned the ball over on Downs. So a really nice win by Dallas. Philly was able to kind of tread water without Hurts, but in the end of the day. I still think you see why 
Uh, obviously, Jalen Hurts is a top quarterback in the league. It's impressive that Minshew was able to hang in there, but I think if Jalen Hurts was playing this game, those last three drives are definitely different outcomes. Mm-hmm. To me, people are going to look at this game and be like, oh, the Eagles put up 34 points. Like, Jalen Hurts isn't as – like, isn't – he's more of a product of the system, which to me I, I don't just don't think is accurate at all. I mean, yeah, they put up 34 points, but, I mean, Minshew turns the ball over three times in this one. I'll give him that. Like, yeah. Throwing the ball, he was looking good. I mean, we we have addressed, I think, Dallas's secondary is a way to attack. But, I mean, Hurts, you could tell. I know they, they put up 34 points. One of them was a defensive touchdown from Josh Sweat. But it's just, like, the offense is just – I think just Hurts' rushing ability, I mean, just brings a whole another element to this team. I mean, Minshew, I think – also, people like, got to realize, like, Gardner Minshew, is, it's not like the he's a backup who's, like, bad. Like, you look at backups in the league, he's probably a top backup in the NFL. Like, when his number's called, you expect him to come up and be able to at least be able to, like, weather the storm and be decent. It's not like we got, like, Nathan Peterman coming in to Philly. Like, Nathan, like Gardner Minshew can, can ball. Like, he's pretty good. It's just I, – I didn't – he I just don't – like, his limited rushing, like, upside and mobility – think definitely hurt them in this one. I mean, Hurts, like his ability to just scramble and run and make plays, I think makes the Eagles so much better. And honestly, he has not turned the ball over a lot this year. I know he had like two picks the last game before uh, he we got hurt against the Bears. But yeah, I think if Jalen Hurts plays in this game, the Eagles win. And yeah, people are going to be like, they put up 34 points. They still lost the game. I know the Eagles' defense is not usually give up 40 points. But at the end of the day, like, it was still a loss. And I think – I don't think this game, like, proves a case that, like, you don't need Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't think it's, like, proving that, like, oh, any quarterback can come in and, and fill the job. Like, I don't think this is like San Francisco. Like, I think maybe to a little less of a degree. But Brock Purdy is literally balling out in San Francisco. I don't think it's going to be – it would be the same in Philly. Like, it's a similar – like, some of the plays are similar. But I just think, like, Jalen Hurts is definitely more valuable than, like, Jimmy G is to to, to the 49ers. So, I think the Eagles definitely need Jalen Hurts. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you got, like, what, the Vikings one game back. I mean, and the Eagles have a tiebreaker. I mean, the Eagles have the to Eagles win just have to win one of the two, or the yeah. Vikings have to lose both. Like uh-huh. the number one seed is still very, uh, Comfortable, like, yeah. very much attainable. I think I actually think that the Cowboys could also make a play on it because I think the Cowboys technically could still win the division. Yeah, I think if the Cowboys win out and the Eagles lose out, the Cowboys actually win the division. Who do the the Eagles got? Um, playing the Giants. And they play the Giants week 18. Week 18. Right, I can't Saints think of that. I'm my head who they have this next week. They got the Saints. So, okay. yeah. So if they beat the Saints, which whoever's that quarterback, just even if Hurts isn't back for that game, you know what I mean? You would think that yeah. if they, as long as they win this week, which they should be able to win against the Saints with Minshew, they clinch the number one seed. They can bring Hurts back into week 18, maybe for a half, just to get him some action if he doesn't play in week 17, and then play themselves into a bye. But uh, kind of like just to keep moving on here, like, do you think that this damages Hurts' MVP case because of how Minshew played, 
Or even, do you think it helped? I, I don't really know how it would help it, but I personally don't see it. But do you think it could help it being that, oh, like, they lost this game, but if Hurts was there, like, they probably, like, they would have won. I definitely don't think it hurts his MVP case. I think, I mean, Minshew, 24 for 40. I mean, it's not great. Complete. They put up 34 points. Like, I get that. But they they did lose the game. But I guess you could say it wasn't on Minshew, even though he turned the ball over three times. I don't really think it hurts it. But, I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it helps it. I think I think kind of just stands how, how it is. I think mm-hmm. we see how valuable Jalen Hurts is to the Eagles. I mean, Minshew came in and did well. But I think if you look across the league, like, if you put Minshew in other teams' offenses, I don't think he's just going to go in there and throw four picks and look terrible. Like, he's a decent – he's a good backup quarterback. Like, he could start – look at the NFC South. What team – I mean, Brady's obviously a GOAT, but he's really old. Like, what team is Gardner Minshew not starting for in the NFC South? Like, I think he's starting – That's a good point. Starting for the Falcons. Starting for the Saints, like – He's a good backup. I think you put him in a lot of teams, like he's going to be decent. So I don't think this hurts Jalen Hurts' MVP case at all. Like Jalen Hurts is really valuable to the Eagles and a really good quarterback right now in the NFL. So I don't think it hurts his MVP cases. Yeah, neither do I. I was just curious. And I also think that, like, Minshew also was able to succeed a lot. The Eagles do have a really good supporting cast. They have a really good offensive line, too, yeah. is able to keep Minshew upright all game. And obviously the two receivers, as mentioned, Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown both balled out. So that definitely helped him. But, yeah, I'm, I don't really think – I think if maybe Minshew wins this game and looks – a lot like, I, I don't want to say his numbers were good, but he didn't look, like, dominant. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, if Minshew was completely balling out, then maybe you could have a little bit more of a question if they won this game by 25 points or something like that. But at the end of the day, they still did lose in large part because Hurts wasn't the quarterback down the stretch in this game. But let me spin it back to the Cowboys for a second because I don't think we've given them enough credit. After they blew that lead to Jacksonville in week 15, this this was a nice win for the Dallas Cowboys. And, yeah, like I know Jalen Hurts wasn't there, but, again, Minshew played decent football, as we've said. They still had to come back in this one. Dak Prescott looked really good in the air, 347 yards, three touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb was unguardable, 10 catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. The Eagles desperately need C.J. Gardner-Johnson back healthy. I believe Avante Maddox as well went down. and I don't know if he's going on IR, but he's injured, which is not good. He got injured in this game. So the Eagles desperately need to figure that out because these two teams can easily meet in the NFC Championship. And if not, the Cowboys, San Francisco, and they're going to need every defensive back that they can to help limit Debo Samuel when he's back and Brandon Ayuk. But, yeah, for Dallas, this was an awesome bounce-back game. I'm curious if you think these are the top two teams in the conference or if you still think that San Francisco is better than Dallas. And, like, do you, like, uh, like how how needed was this for Dallas after that 17-point lo- uh, blown lead? Dallas, to me, I, yeah, obviously was a really needed win to bolster their confidence because I was watching this game early. And, I mean, obviously we know Dallas is a team who late in the season, I don't know what it is, but they always seem to – kind of crumble and fade like they're not the same team they were in October and compared to December usually like they're usually a worse team in December and I think Dallas is see like they keep fluctuating but honestly I'm gonna put Dallas third I don't know I think with Jalen Hurts I'll put the Eagles at one the 49ers at two and Dallas at three the reason was like Dallas's offense certainly has looked better 
And I mean, CD Lamb is a legit wide receiver one. I mean, you look at receivers in the league, he's undisputed top 10, probably like top seven, top eight. I'm not going to like think off the top of my head, but he's definitely up there. So like the offense is good. I mean, Tony Pollard, Zeke, like a good duo. Dak looking pretty good, but we looked at Dallas this year and their D line kind of was their strong suit. And like, as of late, it's definitely not been that good. Like the last two weeks, and they haven't gotten a sack. So I think that is a little bit worrisome in my opinion, just because like that's what you've been leaning on. And you look at the playoffs, I think like defense kind of prevails more than offense. And I mean, yeah, I mean, like they're giving up 40 points in the last two games. I think Dan Quinn's definitely got to get uh, things back to how they were earlier in the year. I mean, you look at the 49ers, that defense is lights out pretty much every week. So, I just think the Eagles are a very complete football team. So I think with Hurts and thinking about like CJ Gardner Johnson, I don't Lane Johnson's out for the rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. I'll put the Eagles at one, 49ers two, Cowboys at three. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I still have the 49ers over Dallas. I know I was definitely high on Dallas at some points in the year. But yeah, maybe getting a little scared with not not that their defense still isn't good. Their defense is still a top five defense in the league. But yeah, definitely that San Francisco's defense is maybe pulling away. From Dallas's defense, in the sense that I, I am, I do like what Dallas has been doing offensively, and that's like something that if Dallas's defense was playing really, really good football, that would be putting them probably towards the top, and I would be more confident to put them over Philadelphia. But as much as I went back and forth with the Dallas Philadelphia, who's really better? I even though Dallas won this past week, I will still put Philadelphia over them. But Dallas definitely closed the gap, and Dallas needed this game, like I said, after that Jacksonville collapse. Oh, wait. I just want to um. I made a mistake. They had one sack against Jacksonville, but uh, none this week. Just wanted to get that out there. I said zero sacks. All right, hey, good man, Lickman. But even hey, but even with the one sack, does it change the point? No, not really. One sack in two weeks is not good enough. Even though they went against two good offensive lines, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, easily are probably both top eight, top five offensive lines, give or take. Still doesn't change the fact. If you want to be a top three defense, you have to get after the passer and make him uncomfortable and get the quarterback on the ground. Let's talk about some missed opportunities, score all over the place. We will start first in the AFC. The New York Jets, the New England Patriots, the Miami Dolphins, the Tennessee Titans, and the Las Vegas Raiders score. These teams are all vying for a playoff berth, whether it be the Titans in the AFC South or whether it be wild card spots. They all lose this past week. Thanks to the Ravens and the Chargers winning, and the Bengals as well, those three teams all clinch playoff spots. We have one playoff spot left in the AFC for a wild card, and we have one playoff spot for a division spot, which will be either the Jaguars and the Titans. We'll go. We'll we'll leave the division talk for the end. We'll talk with the wild card. I mean, it looks like it'll be an AFC East team between the Jets, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. They all had. Pretty good chances this week. I would say that man, the Patriots against the Bengals, that's a very tough matchup. And I'm not saying the Jaguars and the Packers aren't, respectively, for the Jets and the Dolphins. But all very winnable games for each three of these teams. I know the Raiders, too. But the Raiders, they needed more of a prayer. So we'll just get them out of here. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Dolphins because it's just crazy how we were talking about this as a team potentially having the top offense in the league to now. Are they even going to get into the playoffs? We knew that they were going on a tough road trip and they lost those three straight games. 
But this was a game going back home. And yes, Green Bay hasn't been the same. Like They're still Green Bay, but they're not the same team that they were last year. To lose this game, especially how they did, gave up 16 unanswered points, two or through three second-half interceptions. Just a really tough fall from grace for Mike McDaniel's team and a team that had been rolling in the midpoint of the season. And now you really start to look back at their victories and start scrutinizing being like, Miami really hasn't beaten anyone that crazy. And like when the competition is up, Miami is down. You know, if you have wins over the Ravens and the Bills, which were early in the year, I mean, that Ravens game, they were down big. That Buffalo game, I mean, Josh Allen threw the ball, I don't know, like 60, 60 times, maybe even won that. So, I mean, yeah, Miami, like they went through that stretch where they were kind of putting up a lot of points. It was, I think, against the Lions who – do I? They might not even win that game now. I mean, in Detroit, the Bears, the Browns, and the Texans, like they put up 30-plus in all four of those games. And we were kind of like giving Miami their flowers. But then these last four weeks, they've kind of fell back down to reality. So I, I think Tua's ability, I mean, against better defenses, I mean, I feel like Tua's – I don't know what it is. Like he's an accurate quarterback, but it's just when – I mean, it's just like I feel like he's very good when like the play is just like there. But like his like second reads he's, are not. He's good in he's good in structure. I think yeah, he's very yeah. good in structure. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, like when the first like option and like the structure is not there, I think like he kind of struggles. I mean, this week, like in the second half, he looked really bad. Um, he's obviously in concussion protocol now. I mean, some of those picks obviously were kind of. I wouldn't say embarrassing, but, I mean, not like Tua. So, I mean, Miami, I mean, yeah, I mean, big week this week. I mean, I think it might have to be Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think Tua's going to go. So, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, also another top backup in the NFL. I think you can go into Foxborough and get a win. But, I mean, New England is due for, for a win, not going to lie. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Miami, you looked at the last four games, you literally needed to win – probably one of them and you're probably sitting in a good spot. What are they right now? Are they? No, they're eight and seven. Yeah, eight you eight one and seven. You're in one of those games. You're in a really good spot and they couldn't even squeak out one. Even if they won this week, they're in a good spot to get that seven. I mean, even six spot. So if they were nine and seven, they just need a, if they were nine and six right now, they just need a win and they're yeah. in. So yeah, like they they that that to lose four straight actually put them in you know they put themselves in a brutal spot. Mm. Yeah, not for sure. I mean, it just hasn't been the same team. I thought like early in the first half, I was looking at this Miami team and I was like, oh, like they look kind of back. I mean, last week against Buffalo, they were solid. I still think the offense is good. I mean, you got two explosive playmakers. That Jalen Waddle touchdown was actually crazy. And yeah, I just think the second half, something was just off with Tua. And it clearly showed. And now they're kind of fighting for their playoff lives. I mean, they're going to have to win out and beat New England and the Jets, which I don't know how much confidence I have, especially if Tua can't go. And it's got to be Teddy Bridgewater this week. But. Certainly devastating for them and unfortunate because this is a team. I mean, I'm a Jets fan, but like when they were at their best on offense, 
this is a team like you want to see play football. Mm-hmm. Like it's just an exciting team to play. And I mean, we were talking about Miami potentially being that third best team in the AFC. And I think Cincinnati <laughs> get into that. I mean, they might be higher than the third seat, third best team in the AFC right now. But I mean, yeah, Miami's kind of definitely folded a little bit and put themselves in the pretty not easy situation to get into. I mean, yeah, you got to win out, but I mean, do I, I don't have confidence in the Miami Dolphins right now compared to like week, like nine or 10. It's just it's that simple. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Couldn't have said it better. I mean, like I said, it's a three horse race really between the Jets, Pats and the Dolphins. And a lot of these teams, like they play each other. So all of these teams basically control their own destiny. If they win these next two weeks, you're in the playoffs. So with that being said, you want to be in the playoffs? It's start your playoffs start now. Like there's don't look two weeks down the road on January, whatever it is, fourteenth or whatever the playoffs actually start. No. Playoffs for these two teams or these three teams, as you say, start on January first this week when they the Jets take the field against Seattle and the Patriots play the Dolphins. And good for the Jets. The Jets will have Mike White back, Zach Wilson. I don't even really want to get into it that much, but you knew the writing was on the wall, and especially for him to come back after, like, he'd already really been benched. It's going to be a brutal spot, but once you've been benched for Chris Strebler, you're, you're not coming back. So we'll talk maybe more about that at some point. But, yeah, unfortunately for Zach Wilson, Mike White will be back this week. Good for Jet fans, and hopefully for them, they can go pick up a tough win in Seattle. Seattle has not been playing as good a ball as they have been earlier in the year, but Seattle also needs the win for their playoff hopes. What I want to focus more on, Core, is, some of these teams that did clinch a playoff spot this past week in the AFC, the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Bengals, I think we're both in agreement here. The Cincinnati Bengals have been kind of, I don't want to say flying under the radar, but seven straight victories. And, yeah, I think undisputedly they're moving into the category, the number three team in the AFC, maybe even higher. I think you could easily call Cincinnati one of the top team, like a top team, in the, the top team even in the AFC. They've been playing some really good football. Their defense has been playing really good football, almost lights out down the stretch here. They play the Bills this week on Monday Night Football with a chance to take the number one seed in the AFC, which would be incredible for them. So they, they would need a little bit of help. I think they also need like Kansas City to lose one of these last two games. Actually, maybe even not because they have the, they hold head-to-head over Kansas City. So I like if they want the number one seed, they have to win this week. Technically, they're still – in play for a wild card spot because they don't have the division glitch, but I anticipate them beating the Ravens. With all that being said, I mean, I like you think the Bengals are worthy of like our, our number one seed, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just want to make sure I'm not talking crazy here and get a little bit oh, ahead of myself, but I think like I, like I think this team 100% could. I mean, I'm not a person who's normally high on the Bengals, but this is a complete football team. This is a team that. If they made it out of the AFC this year, by nobody should be surprised. No, I'm, I remember. Yeah, they made it out of the AFC last year, and you know, I'm I'll be the first one to admit I wasn't like a huge believer in, like, yeah, I thought Cincinnati would be back in the playoffs, but I remember I was saying like they're kind of in an area where they're not better than Kansas City, they're not better than Buffalo. I mean, they've already beat Kansas City, so. I think they're kind of proving me wrong. Like I used to think the gap was like really big. And I was like, I don't know if they can do it again, but the way this team's playing right now, I mean, I got to put them in that conversation. 
I think like earlier, obviously it was Kansas City, Buffalo, and then huge drop off. But I mean, Cincinnati certainly is having something to say about that. Yeah, like you can make a case right now, they are the best team in the AFC. And like if Cincinnati was had to go into like Buffalo or into Kansas City, I'm like, I'm really like not, I'm not gonna like if they won either one of those games, like I wouldn't be like, oh, like. That's a huge upset. Like, they're a very complete team. The defense really has not been giving up a lot of points, forcing turnovers, getting sacks. And then, yeah, I mean, the offense, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow, I mean, I was always like a – Coming a top five perfect. quarterback in our eyes. It's right in front say, of us, man. He's got to be top five. I mean, I came on – like, I'm a guy who always changed my opinion now. Like, I came on here and said – it's just, it's just like tough. I was saying like he, Jalen Hurts is better than him. It's just like tough. I mean, like as a pure passer, I mean, obviously Joe Burrow is better. It, it's just like Burrow, I think I have to say, is that guy. I mean, he's leading his team, throwing the ball. I mean, through for 375 and three touchdowns in this one. It's just like it's a very complete team. Like Cincinnati has the best skill group in the NFL. Like I don't think anyone has a better one. So when the defense is playing lights out, this is a scary team for sure. Yeah, and listen, this could be a lot different of a conversation if Ramon J. Stevenson didn't fumble inside the 10-yard line as the Patriots were coming back from down 22. So the Bengals, yeah, like you did win this past week and stuff like that, but maybe let's figure that out. We don't want to give up. We don't want to blow 22-point leads to the New England Patriots, even though it's in New England and stuff like that. New England's offense is not good enough to be blowing 22-point leads if you want to be in the conversation of best team in the AFC. So. Luckily for them, they were able to hang on in that game. But you're 100% right. I think that with the skill group that they have, a top-five quarterback in Burrow who can match Mahomes and Allen in the game and probably a better defense than both Buffalo and Kansas City, I think that Cincinnati is so alive in the AFC. And I think it is a three-horse race now in the AFC where a couple weeks back you would have been like, no, it's a clear two-horse race, and let's see what else happens. You know what I mean? I don't think we can really take Cincinnati seriously. But, no, this seven-game win streak has really shown that Cincinnati is one of the more complete teams in football, if not the most complete team in football. So they will be dangerous come January. And, honestly, this week against Buffalo is an awesome, awesome preview of some playoff football here. We'll move on to the NFC here, start talking about that. We'll skip over the Jags and the Titans conversation just because Whatever they do this week in Week 17 doesn't mean anything. Whoever wins the Week 18 matchup will go to the playoffs and win the AFC South. So, with that being said, we'll talk about that next week. Technically, there's a situation where both of these two teams could somehow get in, one of them on a wild card, but it's so, like, particular with teams losing and stuff like that. We're not even going to address that. So, we'll talk about Jags-Titans next week in Week 18 core. I know you're excited for that, and I hopefully – Ryan Tannehill can recover and potentially come back because Malik Willis, he should have just sat this whole year. It, it, it's tough watching Malik Willis at quarterback. I don't know if I've seen a quarter like quarterback play. He, he just he just looks like he just needs still a lot more time to develop. So I, it's unfortunate that he was pressed into action, but it's kind of unfair to him to really evaluate him then and um, get on him because he's clearly not ready with that. In the NFC, I guess it was just a common theme this week that. Wild card teams did not want to win. We'll start first with the New York Giants, who 
gave the Vikings all that they could handle, and Greg Joseph ripped the fans' hearts out with a 61-yard field goal as time expired in a 27-24 victory for the Vikings to clinch the NFC North core. Congratulations. You had the Vikings to win the NFC North. I did not. The Vikings got severely outplayed in this game. Daniel Jones, if you ask me, I thought, played his best game as a pro in the sense of just his confidence and throwing in rhythm, 334 yards in the air, only one touchdown, but the Giants shot themselves in the foot just one too many times. Richie James had a huge third down drop that turned into a field goal instead of extending a drive. Daniel Bellinger had a fumble, uh, probably on, I don't know if they were inside the red zone, but it was just right outside the red zone. Jones also threw a bad interception on the Vikings side of the field. The Vikings didn't make any really many mistakes. With that being said, too, they dominated third down compared to the Giants. If the Giants play this team again, they will beat them in the playoffs. The Vikings are so susceptible to losing a game like this. 11-0 in one-score games, they're going to like they're battle-tested, like I said, and it's a spot that they want to be in. This game, of course, since I'm a Giants fan, infuriates me, Corey, but I, the Vikings are just it bothers me when people just will blindly look at records and say that the Vikings are this, this, that. The fact that the Vikings could be potentially the number one seed in the, in the NFC blows my mind because this team is nowhere near as good as that. So, yeah, good for the Vikings. Nice win. Congrats on the NFC North. But I I hope that the Giants walk into this team in the first round of the playoffs. And whatever wild card team is out there, whatever team is going to squeeze in as the seventh seed, they absolutely hope that they walk into the Vikings in the first round. The Vikings, yeah, eleven and zero in one score games. I think that assures that like most of the games they play are close. So, yeah, I mean, you're any wild card team, you want to walk into Minnesota, no matter if it is the Giants, if it's the Commanders, um, if it's any of those teams. So, I mean, the Lions, the Seahawks, which I just don't see it happening. I think right now, you look. I mean, Seattle, I think's kind of had it to be honest. I mean, maybe, uh. Maybe the the Lions or the Commanders. I mean, two of those to me, like the the NFC like wild card. I don't know, like the two of those four teams are gonna make. I mean, it could be Green Bay. So it's just yeah, two of yeah. Don't Green Bay only a half game out. Yeah, Green Bay is there. So I think yeah, you look at the Vikings. Like the Vikings are battle tested and they want to win. Like they're comfortable with playing these close games, but like a team coming into Minnesota could be like, I mean, yeah, they're 11-0. Like, they're comfortable, but they're also due for a loss, and that loss could happen in a one-game playoff elimination in yeah, in the playoffs. So, I think you, you're a team like that. You definitely want them over a team like Philly or the 49ers just because you think it's going to be a close game. Maybe you could steal that game late. To me, like if you get to the playoffs, like yeah, you're eleven and zero in all these one score games. That com- that completely goes out the window, in my opinion. Like it's all different. Mm-hmm. It's the playoffs, one game and you're out. So, if you're a team going into Minnesota and you can keep that game close, yeah, you, you certainly want to see this team. They're definitely vulnerable to losing eventually in a close game. So whether it's the Giants, the Commanders, the Packers, I think they're all hoping like if we make if we get in, we could get Minnesota round one. Yeah, whereas the other wild card team, like the other six or the seven, will probably have to play San Francisco in San Francisco. San Francisco is riding an eight-game win streak again, another team that has not been talked about. If you ask me, I think they're neck and neck with Philadelphia for being the best team in the conference and honestly one of the best teams in football, even with Brock Purdy at the quarterback position. So that's a real loss 
for whoever unfortunately has to go there. That's going to be a really tough place to win, especially their style is not is kind of like I don't say upset proof, but their style of football and how they run the ball and dominate with their defense. It's very it's going to be very difficult for a team to go there and pull off an upset, as we just saw this past week with Washington unable to do so. Washington was unable to like help solidify their playoff hopes. Detroit got absolutely embarrassed against Carolina. Carolina ran for 320 yards, a total of 570 yards of offense. Seattle is kind of done. I agree with you there. And with the Jets coming into town this week, even though they're at home, I don't like their outlook at all. The Giants have enough of a cushion that I think like, – like the Giants been a coast this week. The Giants, if they win one of the last two, they're in. And even if, like, they get a bunch of losses, they're in. So, like, they definitely look like they'll probably take one of the spots. But out of these other teams, Gore, that failed to take advantage, the only team that did take an advantage was Green Bay. Like, who who is the best out of the four teams in, like, do you like if we go into week 18 where it's Detroit versus Green Bay for a playoff spot? Like, who do you like? I mean, Detroit versus Green Bay for a playoff spot at Lambeau? Come on. Like, I, I like it's the a no brainer, right? Like, I'm it's thinking the no same brainer. thing. I think that line is probably like Packers minus five. I don't know. I don't think it'll be like that low. I, I yeah, got. Goff in, goff in January and 10 degrees. Oh, boy. It might be like minus six, honestly, especially if Green Bay like wins this week against Minnesota. I think that spread. I don't know. Which, Minnesota, like they're probably not going to arrest people because they're still playing for the number one spot. But, I, I mean, Minnesota's like three and a half point underdogs in Lambeau. Yeah, it's crazy how a team 12 and three could be three and a half point underdogs against Anyone, I mean, nah, that makes sense. But like against a seven and eight team, it makes no sense. I think mm-hmm. Vegas just like these guys are not frauds, but they're just the one score. They're just the one score king. So like, it's gonna be a pretty close game. But they think like in Lambo, I get, I, I'd have to lean um, Packers. But the value is definitely with the Vikings here. But yeah, I mean, weeks you're going like the last week of the season, Green Bay versus the Lions for a playoff spot. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers all day. Yeah, and I mean, if the Packers went out, that would they're already on a three game win streak right now. That would put them at nine and eight. If Washington were to lose one of their games, it puts. I think Seattle also needs to lose, and like one of the next two, and that would put Green Bay in. So Green Bay, in their mind, if they win out, they're all but in. They just need we need Washington to drop to either Cleveland and or Dallas, and they're going with Carson Wentz this week. They're going to go instead of Taylor Heineke, so that's a question, and it's all we'll see how the locker room reacts to that and stuff. Obviously, Wentz was the original starter there, looked good in relief action this past week against San Francisco, at least better than Heineke did. So that's curious. Hopefully, we get a little like. I don't know. I, I think it would be awesome, like, if all these two teams do the same things again, like they all lost this past week. Like, I would love to see if, like, Detroit wins, Green Bay wins, Washington wins, and Seattle wins all this week, just so we could have a nuts Week 18 scenario. That's definitely – um that that's my dream scenario. Let all the fringe wildcard teams win this week so Week 18 can be absolutely chaotic. Don't let it be, like, Washington wins and everybody else loses, so it's almost like – all like, you know what I mean? Set in stone. Like that would be no fun. We want fun here. All right. 
Moving on to some fun. We will get fun in the NFC South with the Bucks and the Panthers. And this will kind of bring us in to our game picks just in the interest of time. Somehow, some way, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just going to continue to never be out of it and always find a way. And again, this past week, coming back from 10 down against the Arizona Cardinals and then kicking a game-winning field going overtime. I mean, it just it's not worth my effort anymore just saying how the Buccaneers suck in this and they're just not a good football team because they're not. And then somehow against a bad Arizona Cardinals team starting Chase McSorley, they're never able to pull away. But don't worry when – the season really came on the line again on the brink of elimination. Tom Brady would not let it happen, as he always does. And they end up somehow pulling out, and you're like, it just doesn't make sense. The Panthers are coming off an absolute dominant victory against the Detroit Lions. And like I said, 570 total yards of offense. They held the Lions really in check. I know the Lions numbers, and they scored like 20-something points in this game, but they were complete garbage time points. We'll start with our game picks first, Core. Do you like the Panthers plus three in Tampa Bay to win the NFC South? Actually, I believe if the Panthers win this game, they technically don't win the NFC South yet, but then they would need like the Saints to lose one of their last two. Or do you like the Buccaneers at minus three to win the NFC South? I mean, to me, it's just crazy to think like Sam Darnold, former, former jet who honestly like was not really good. I mean, Probably better than Zach Wilson. I mean, definitely better than how Zach Wilson was. But, I mean, like, former Jet, not a great Jet. Is this guy really going to go into Tampa and take the NFC South from from the GOAT? I want to think it could happen just because, like, Tampa is so bad. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Tampa's going to win this game somehow. I mean, I just don't see them, like, losing. I think Carolina's not a good enough team. So just like going there and Tampa's gonna lose because when Tampa plays like these like fringe, mediocre bad teams and they go down somehow the the flip just switches like you go to t- down ten against Arizona with ten forty seven left and just suddenly Tom Brady's like all right let let's just go win the game so I think it could be an ugly game but I think the Bucks will win this game you know I hate calling pushes so I'll give them the slight minus three. Edge, I think they win this score by about like some low type scoring game, maybe like a twenty to sixteen type game. I'll go. With, I'll go with the Bucks though to win and cover slightly. Yeah, I mean, you said it pre-show too. That listen, the Panthers they looked so good last week, but I mean, the Panthers like, a couple weeks ago looked brutal against the Steelers at home in a game that could again have made their playoff chances. Like, increase their playoff odds so much more. And, yes, the Panthers look so good at home against the Bucks earlier in the year. But I, I just refuse to take Sam Darnold over Tom Brady and the chance to get to the playoffs. As bad as the Buccaneers look, as much as they lost another offensive lineman this past su- Sunday night, I'm going to take the Buccaneers here. I'll take them by three points in just an absolute survival game. And it's just like, they're more used to the moment than this Carolina Panthers team with Steve Wilkes as an interim head coach. And almost like, I don't say like a magic run here because what, the Panthers are six and nine, but a team that's like not very deserving. I just think that like it's going to run out a little bit. And in the end, like experience will prevail with the Buccaneers who are much more battle tested for these types of games. And even though they might not be the same team that they were last year, they're able to ultimately pull it out. Moving on to an AFC East battle and a battle that will be huge 
for the wild card spot. The Patriots host the Dolphins. The Patriots are two and a half point favorites here. I'll start first. Even with Tua Tagovailoa in question, I'm going to go, even if he plays, I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. I know their offense has been so bad, but it's a tough place to play in Foxborough. I know that the Dolphins have had the Patriots number this year. They beat them in week one. I just, I can't see the, like that Dolphins loss at home to Green Bay. I don't want to say it's like a season ender, but that takes so much wind out of your sails. And I just, I think it would be a tough spot to bounce back from to then go to New England and beat them. So I'm going to take the Patriots here and hope that their physicality can outdo Miami and ultimately put them in a really good spot for a playoff position. So I'll take the Patriots minus two and a half here. New England has struggled, I mean, against Miami in recent memory. But, I mean, I think – like, I kind of agree with you. I think losing that game at home against Green Bay is kind of, kind of just like a gut-wrencher. And, I mean, Tua probably going to be out. I mean, Teddy's going to have to come in, go into Foxborough against a good defense and, and get things done. And I just don't see, like, it happening that effectively. So, I think New England wins this game. Slight, slight favorites here. I think they win the game cover. And, yeah, I mean, I think the downhill of Miami unfortunately continues in this one. All right. And our last game pick will be the Buffalo Bills. One-point favorites traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Core, I'll start with you first. Who do you like in a potential matchup for the number one seed in the AFC? I think this is going to be a good game. I mean, you look at this spread, I think the way – Cincinnati's been playing in Buffalo, kind of like lingering past teams. I mean, like you, you look at you look at their money line, like they're plus one. You think like Cincinnati looks really easy, and I like I think like Buffalo is still obviously a top team. It's just, I mean, I'm gonna go with it's just a tough one. Like <laughs> we're gonna go with Buffalo. I think this kind of is a trap. For Cincinnati, like I think Cincinnati is a top team, but like the line, I'm just gonna go with Buffalo. I mean, Cincinnati's been really good. They are kind of due for a loss. I think Buffalo is a team who, I mean, like the last game, like they kind of really had to. They got up for Miami. Miami played pretty well. I mean, then they had to go onto the road into Foxborough, which was not an easy environment. They kind of won that game handedly. I mean, I think obviously Cincinnati's a different beast compared to New England, but I mean they're both tough places to play. I think Buffalo gets the job done here, and they win. But I think this will be a good game. But I think I'll take Buffalo here to win and cover the slight minus one spread. Yeah, it would be a shame if this one wasn't a really good game. Obviously, with Cincinnati on the seven game winning streak, Buffalo on a six game winning streak of their own. So two of the hottest teams in football outside of San Francisco. Um. On the, uh, I, I, Cincinnati's done a great job of getting up for competition this past year and even last year. They play really well in these close games. I just think Buffalo is an overall better team. I think that their offense, yes, has maybe been a little sporadic, but they got back on pace in the second half, especially against that game in Chicago last week. They Miami, they beat a couple weeks ago. I think they're going to be able to attack Cincinnati's defense like Cincinnati's defense hasn't been in previous weeks. I know Cincinnati was able to keep Kansas City in check about a month, but I think Buffalo's ultimately a better team than Cincinnati. That was a close game. Uh, Buffalo's a better team than Kansas City. I- I'm going to take Buffalo here. I think it's going to be really close. In the end, I think Josh Allen and 
I think the wide receiver room of Buffalo is going to have a better day than the defensive back room in Cincinnati. So with that being said, I will take Buffalo here ultimately to win this game. And I think that they're going to be able to keep Burrow and the rest of that Cincinnati offense in check. I think they're going to be able to win the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball, Buffalo. So with that being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. We also did not talk about J.J. Watt in this episode. J.J. Watt just recently announced that he will be retiring at a season end. So we'll talk about him last week before his last regular season game as an NFL player. I mean, one of the best NFL players that we've honestly seen in our lifetime. So an absolute legend, but we'll give him his fair share of time, what he deserves next week. But core with that being said, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? No, I mean, yeah, we forgot about JJ Watt. I mean, obviously a top pass rusher of the, of this generation, probably him, maybe guys like Julius Peppers. Uh, I mean, maybe like Dwight Freeney. I mean, they're kind of like a little before, but yeah, I mean, J.J. Watt, obviously. Um, class act, too, like great player, just everything involved. But yeah, I mean, we got a we got a pretty hectic week 17 coming up. And I mean, obviously, nothing's better than the end of the NFL season. So, yeah, looking forward to it for sure. And hopefully this week doesn't let us down. Yeah, for sure. Every single week going into it. A little bit unpredictable as well as this week. I mean, I'm looking at some of my three game picks, and I don't feel great about any of them. But that's the best part about this sport. We've seen 16 weeks of it, and we're still not entirely sold on certain things. But hopefully they work out the way that we thought and the insight that we provided. I'm excited to see a lot of teams clinch their ticket to the playoffs and set up for a chaotic week 18. With that being said, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.